0: I'm Samantha Bove, and this is She's Too Much. This show is for the woman who's been told that she dreams too much, talks too much, cares too much, thinks too much, feels too much, needs too much. And I say it's about damn time that we are even more. Because that thing you think makes you too much is the exact thing the world needs more of. Heidi, hi. Hi. So you've amassed a following, and I would say more than a following a community because I'm in the comments and I see people's response to you and your story and your outfits. And like, this is a community that rides for you and rides for what you talk about. So over 800,000 people and you spent a career in writing in news, in entertainment, in scripted TV, in production. And then at 61, you decided to start posting your daily outfits on TikTok and on Instagram. Like why? <laughs> like, What inspired you to do that?
1: Why on earth would you do that? I've always been really interested in fashion. So I you know, when I worked in scripted TV, it was, you know, what's Heidi going to wear to the show on Friday nights? And one of the women that was an actress on the show, Krista Allen, was always telling me, oh, you should post your outfits, you should post your outfits. And when the pandemic happened, and people were living in their sweatpants, myself included, when it started sort of winding down and people started going back out into the world, I realized nobody was getting dressed anymore. And... Even if I was just going down the block to walk the dogs, I decided to just get dressed. And if you just get dressed, you'll feel better about the whole day, at least in my humble opinion. And so I started posting my outfits every day with the hashtag just get dressed on Instagram and I would say for about a year, nobody paid any attention to me at all. Just crickets, like nice outfit, whatever. But then my friend Krista again said, you know, I think you should try TikTok, which was daunting because it's only kids on TikTok doing dances. And if there's one thing I can't do, it's dance. If you've seen my TikTok and me in my underwear, you know that I literally have zero dance skills. And... So I posted an outfit, and then I started posting an outfit every day, just a still. And then she said, you know, maybe you should try video. So I started posting video, and then she said, maybe you should add some music. So I added music, and then she said, maybe you should start talking to camera. People would love it. She was just so gentle with me because she knows my personality, which is used to be. Just say no first if it has to do with me. Like, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. And I just said yes to everything she said, because she was so gentle with me. And I posted a video about being single and childless and 63. And it has over 14 million views now. And that sort of started the official journey of uh,
0: telling stories while getting dressed. So Why do you think that one video, and honestly, all of your videos, they have hundreds of thousands of likes, they're garnering thousands of comments. Let's start with that one specifically, because that was the one, it sounds like, that has been the most widely received. Why do you think that message of just being 63, being single, not having kids is... Is so popular.
1: I think traditionally in America, at least, if you're not married in your 30s and starting a family, you are considered a failure, thank you to the patriarchy. And I, when I was young, I said, I'm going to wait until I'm really old to get married. I'm going to wait until I'm 28. Because in the 70s, it was old to be unmarried and single at 28. You were called an old maid. And trust me, I was called an old maid. I've had people say to me for years when I was younger, they finally stopped when I turned about 50, I think. They gave up. But people would say all the time, like, I can't believe you don't have a boyfriend. I can't believe you're not in a relationship. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, what does that even mean? We are so valued for our sexuality and valued for romantic love. And I just think there's so much more to life than that. And I think this generation... Is the generation that realizes that I think Gen Z, even Gen X, but mostly Gen Z is just, they realize that we've been fed this lie that if you're not hooked up with somebody, or if you're not in a partnership, you are a failure. And I hate to break this to you, but you're already with your soulmate. It's you. That's the person you travel through every lifetime with. And it's just silly to judge people if they're not married or in a relationship. It's not for everybody. You know, look, tomorrow I might wake up and be like, oh my God, I met this guy I'm madly in love. <laughs> We're adopting 400 children. We're starting an orphanage. Like, I don't know, maybe. But in the meantime, let's not judge people for what they don't have because it's not on your list
0: of what's acceptable. Mm. So starting the TikTok, did you have this this mission in mind to really spread this message and be such an advocate for aging with joy and with fun and like with full expression. Was this like on your radar? No. Like was it accountability? Like why, like when you really take yourself back to like, okay, I'm gonna commit every day to getting dressed and posting it and then also starting to go through my entire life and pick stories and add to them. Like, what was the driving force? What was the motivation to do that? Did you want to amass? I've always done that. No, I. My goal is
1: always to sell scripts, mm-hmm. and I uh, switched when I I left. I was a executive producer and writer for a show called Baby Daddy, which was about young people. It was sort of friends with a baby. It was based on mm-hmm. Three Men and a Baby, and when I left the show, when the show ended after a hundred episodes, I I was fifty. Five, I guess it's seven years ago, I decided I only wanted to write about women in their 50s because I had been, I had just turned 50. I was in my 50s and I found it to be very difficult. It really is like a switch goes off and you become invisible. It's wild. And I wanted to only write about women in their 50s, which I started doing. And it was, again, to crickets. I would pitch, people are like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then they wouldn't buy it. And so when I started doing TikToks, I just started telling the stories I've always told. I had a blog. I wrote a book. I have a podcast. I've always been the person who tells sections of her life publicly because once I say it out loud, the shame is gone. And that's how I've always lived my life. If I say this out loud, I won't hold it in anymore. That's my therapy. I never went to therapy. Well, I did once for about six weeks. It was horrifying. But- If something's bothering me, I say it out loud and then it goes away and it's out in the ether. I don't think about what other people think about it. I can't, you know, I don't do well with negative comments when I do get them, but I try not to think about how this affects other people. It's only recently that I've noticed that I have a community, that people are listening to me that people do hear what I want to say, that I'm helping people. I get the most incredible messages from people. You helped me quit drinking. I'm sober because of you. I got out of an abusive relationship because of you. I got one last night that said I didn't kill myself because of the message you sent me. Mm -hmm. Like, it is wild. It is very daunting. I'm not a professional. I don't have professional advice. I just have life advice that I think is worth listening to because it worked for me,
0: maybe it'll work for you. Wow, (laughs) okay, lots to unpack there. How do I prepare to get old? Mm. Like I have always, I'm reaching that age where my friends are all bringing up biological clocks. I feel very fortunate because my mom had me at 37. I like see motherhood in my path, I'm unattached but I can see it. And so I'm 27. Am I 27? Yeah, I'm 27. I always, it's weird. I never know. I'm like, wait, it's 27. So I'm like, well, I have 10 years. But see this game I'm already playing. I'm doing the biological clock game with myself. Well, you have to. There is a biological clock and that sucks. It does suck. And there's this... Like, I think about that pressure that that puts on women's decision making, especially around partnership and settling with partners and all of that kind of things. But anyway, so I don't have like the tremendous pressure yet because I'm like, well, if my mom had me at 37, she's still young and energized, like I could have another 10 years at least. But there's still that thought process of of the clock and the aging and the this. But I will say, like, since I was young, I never was scared of getting older like I am like excited to look at my face one day and be like you have overcome all of this like it's it's on you Mm -hmm. like this wisdom is what you're wearing Mm -hmm. and I I hope that as I I age I can still feel connected to this thought that I have yeah of like even just seeing now the way that things are changing and like scars on my body and different things I'm like this is my lived experience like my body is my my the vessel for all of the wisdom that I've attained in my life. And I still I have not turned 50. So like were are you mean, prepared if, to age? Cause I don't think anybody is, but tell there's me There's no social
1: media when I was growing up. I didn't have a cell phone until I was 35 years old. So I wasn't having other people judge me at any time or looking at other messages of so called anti-aging, which is the most disgusting term. How could you be against aging? Like it's such a privilege. I think that The hardest thing is to take everyone else's opinion out of the equation. Like, let's skip the biological clock. Like, I'm ready to have a baby now. Guess what? I'm 63. I can't. I could adopt, I guess. But I just think it's important to not listen to any of the rules, the so-called rules that have been set up for what your life is supposed to be. It's your life imagine that you're letting someone else tell you how to live it. That's insane to me. Mm. If you want to have a baby, then make sure you're set up to do that health-wise. Freeze your eggs. Whatever it is that you need to do, do that. As far as the rest of it, live however the hell you want. I didn't think about, maybe I did think about aging when I was younger in the sense that I thought 50 was old. We all do, but that's because of the messaging. Imagine if the Kardashians put the same effort into wrinkles that they put into giant asses, the world would be a better place. Imagine if wrinkles were considered beautiful, that they were a sign that you've lived your life. Even Jane Fonda's pissed that she got plastic surgery. Like, yeah, just wear your face. You know, people say all the time, it's my right to get Botox. It's my right to get plastic surgery. And I say, yes, but think about why you want to get that. What is the message that you've been given that said you don't look okay as you are? Mm. The minute you start realizing how beautiful you are for just living your life and looking the way you look the more beautiful you get i think i look better now than i did when i was in my 20s and had no wrinkles because i was a raging alcoholic and filled with insecurity there's nothing more beautiful than being confident about who you are and how you're living your life and how you look do i always think i look perfect no i've posted many videos about my body dysmorphia thank you to the media you know again my wrinkles i hate my neck but whatever i can't change it so accept it mm. so to me you know the greatest compliment i get is when people say i i'm no longer scared about aging because of your post that is the most amazing compliment because you shouldn't be scared there are so many like you're 27 you are not even going to be the same person in 10 years you're just not mm-hmm. You're not because because of who you are, even the little I know about you, you're a curious person. That's the best thing
0: you can do for life is stay curious. That's how you age. Just stay curious. How do you think that people older people and younger people perpetuate ageism? Like, what are these things that- Oh, I can't wear that. Me? I'm too old. Oh,
1: I can't do that. I'm too old. Oh, I can't go on vacation. I'm single. Oh, I, you know, it, it's usually the clothing in particular is like, you know, I dress like a 13 year old boy sometimes. Yeah, I it. don't care. But it's usually the older people that I get those kinds of comments from. I got one the other day that from a woman who said like, I can't believe you're wearing a crew neck. Like, well, at least you pull it off. And I said, what kind of fucking comment is that? A crew neck. Take it back. Like, keep that in your inside voice. Why do I need to hear that? Anyway, but I think older people, my generation, the boomers, are so locked into to what people told them they should be doing. And I just, I guess I've just always bucked these so-called rules. If I didn't write them, why am I following them? Like, this is my life. I'm going to live it for me. I don't want to be on my deathbed. I I, I don't think I'd be on my deathbed and say, wow, I'm so glad that I got married at 30 to that idiot and had four horrible kids that hated me. Yeah. Not that everybody's going to say that. Getting married and having children is beautiful if that's what you want. But if it's not, then don't do it.
0: Yeah. Okay. What you just said (laughs) of why am I following rules that I didn't write? Yeah. And so, Okay. Somebody's listening to this, and they're like, "Yeah, preach!" Like I am following all these rules. You had said something in one of your posts about like, why do I need a section in a store to tell me like what uh, what clothes I'm supposed to wear? Like, yeah. why is this my mature section? Yeah, who, who says that? But so somebody's like, "Okay, I'm getting this. I I want to dress like with a trend if I like a trend, even if it's you know geared towards a Gen Z or whoever." But they haven't yet written their own rules like is there was have you just always been like this or do you have any advice for people who are like okay I want to start writing my own rules like what would you say to them like where can they start
1: i mean i guess i've always been this way i guess i've always just blindly believed in myself even when i was wrong i just If I'm going to, you know, put myself out there, I'm going to believe in what I say. And if I change my mind, I'll be the first person to admit it. I just think you have to be confident about what you're doing at that particular time. And there's so much shame attached to dumb things. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. quitting drinking, like I don't want to tell anybody that I'm an alcoholic because I'm ashamed. Did you murder someone? That you should be ashamed of. You shouldn't be ashamed because you drank too much. That's just silly. And I just think you have to find your confidence and stick with it. Whatever it is that works for you, just be confident about it so that when other people say things to you that are hurtful, it doesn't
0: matter. What does confidence actually mean to you? When you say, like, be confident about it, what what does I that Like, feel
1: good about it. Feel good about the decision you made. Like, listen to your gut your gut will never make a wrong decision. And if you really listen to your gut, you know, even if it's as simple as putting an outfit on and you look at it and you're like, I feel really good in this. Keep that thought and don't let what other people say, like, how could you wear that? Why are you wearing that? Just ignore it. Mm. No one knows what they're doing. People say negative things to you because they're afraid of themselves. Like, I could never wear that, so instead of saying that, they'll say, you shouldn't be wearing that. Well, you should keep your thoughts to yourself on the inside, please. On the inside. It's really just about being confident in your decision to be who you are. And it sounds like to like what you like.
0: Yeah, like what you like, like yourself. That's the first step, like yourself, a lot. You say that a lot. You say, like, I doubt this was made for me, but I like it. Yeah, I like it. So I'm going to wear it. Yeah. And that, it's unfortunate what a radical act that is to just say, even this outfit this morning, I'm like... Well, like in my head, I put it on. I'm like, I love the combo with look the amazing. sneakers. Thank you. And I'm like, I'm really into this. And But you're wearing it. It's not wearing you. Okay. And that so is the big difference. This, I didn't really understand that, what you just said. Wear the outfit, don't let the outfit wear you until I really moved to New York. Mm. And I saw the way that people wear the weirdest combinations of clothes. Like, i mean like a fedora and cowboy boots and their nipples out with this huge big skirt and like a like ears on their head like the wildest things and they look so cool cuz they're wearing it cuz they're wearing it and they're walking with this confidence of i like myself yeah i like this outfit and there's nothing cooler there's nothing sexier at all to me than somebody who really can walk with the strangest outfit on or strange by somebody else's definition Mm because it's different or you're taking pieces that are athletic and putting them with you know a, a more formal blouse or whatever it is and owning it but that is that's
1: confidence that's their confidence in their outfit that they look good you can tell the difference in the way people just carry themselves and the way they walk if they're uncomfortable in their in their clothing like it you know, people used to ask me to style people all the time and I can't because I can't give you my confidence. You have to like what you're wearing. So I could show you a bunch of outfits and tell you, you look amazing in it. But if I can't convince you to be confident in it, then it's wearing you. You're not wearing it. Wow. Hmm. Okay. And
0: you definitely are wearing your outfit today. Thank you. Yeah. Uh um... <laughs> Okay, let's talk more about shame because like Brene Brown, I feel like has such, yeah, right, Queen, amazing job at explaining why when you share stories in safe places, that's where shame goes to die. And social media is not really the safest place to share your stories. And so that was like a very bold thing for you to start doing. So not to just, me. Not to you. To no. a lot of people. It would yes. be to talk about your alcoholism and to talk about your feelings about your body, to talk about being slut shamed, to talking about all of these things. And so like I know that for you, you're like, I'm just going to do this because I've learned that when I share my story, the shame evaporates. But can you tell me a little bit more about like the specific stories that you pick and why you think that people are resonating with your content so much for speaking of the the person who wants to share their stories, but is scared to and they don't know where to start and they don't know which ones to pick. And maybe they think that their stories aren't that, you know, um, relatable or exciting or they're too, too boring and relatable, like. What would you tell somebody about that? I mean, as a writer, they
1: always say, write like no one's reading it. And as a creator, I tell stories like no one's listening to them because I'm always talking to myself. I am my safe place. And so when I release my shame, I'm the only person that I care about who's really reacting to that. So I don't think of the Internet or social media as a safe or unsafe place. And maybe that's why I'm accepted because I don't care what you think about it. I'm thrilled if you can get something from it, but if it upsets you, go away, turn the channel. But I'm doing it because it makes me feel better. And like I said, I am my safe place. And so once I release my shame, it's released from me. I am always talking to myself when I tell a story. Always. If someone else gets a benefit out of it, amazing. But I do not think about someone on the other side saying, oh, I hope this works. I hope this works. You can't. You just can't do it. And so my whole purpose, like I said, was to sell scripts and to tell stories that I think women need to hear that are stories that are in my scripts. I'm always a main character in things that I write. And so I don't know. I've just always been able to just Set it free. I I take it one step further than Brene, and I don't look for the safe place. I just trust that I am safe enough to handle all the shit that might
0: come my way. Okay, so this is so the opposite of what most people on the internet are <laughs> trying know. to do. I know. And this is why you're successful, without a doubt. I mean, one of the many reasons, right? Well, thanks. I I am
1: authentic. I am authentically me. I am giving you me. Like you said, when I walked up
0: today, you're like, oh wow, you really do just get dressed. I'm like, yes, I get dressed. Yeah, she's wearing the outfit (laughs) that she posted on Instagram this morning. And I watched it in my kitchen and I'm like, oh my God, I wonder if this is gonna be the outfit that she's wearing today. And you rolled up and I'm like, what? Okay, there's, there's questions I wanna ask about that. Of like, how do you not throw your phone across the window every morning like all right let's ask that because maybe i'll forget starting the day off of recording editing putting the sound with the thing like you know the process and sometimes your instagram collapse like do you do this yourself how do you not get mad about it like what's the i think i'm really lucky
1: and i picked just naively i picked one shot and went with it so every morning i turn my camera on i get dressed in front of my camera and then I upload it to TikTok and I edit it together. Usually I think about what it is that I wanna say. I actually write out my stories in text form and then I time it and then I cut the video to that time and then I record it and I release it. I don't think about it very much at all. The process does not take me very long at all. I hate to say that to people who give me brand deals because I'm not working that hard for their money but I did take 63 years to build this brand that is Heidi Clements. So that's what you're paying for. And they're not paying that much right now, quite frankly. (laughs) Pay her Um, more. Pay me more, give me more free clothes. So it is a very simple process for me and it is something I absolutely love because this audience is so magical. I get a hug from this community every single day I could count on one hand the negative comments that I've got and it's just so it is the most rewarding thing I've ever done even writing a scripted show it's more rewarding than that because I'm putting me out there I'm the brand and people are responding to it and it's just it's magical it really is so great it's so um, what's the word that is not coming into my brain Oh well, it's going to come to me. You know, that rewarding word. Wow, I can't. It's going to my brain has just taken a powder, but okay. it's going to come back and I'll let you know what that is. But I I love it. I love doing it. It's super easy and I do it every morning. I don't even bank outfits. Like I I can't. It's not authentic enough because I'm not wearing it that day and I feel like when I post something that I recorded a week before, it doesn't do as well because they know I'm not really wearing it, <laughs> even though they don't. But totally,
0: yeah. Okay, so just taking it back for a minute to what we were talking shame. about before, which was well, shame, but you know, in in these podcasts, if anybody wants to start a podcast, there's this very hard thing that happens, which is you want to be completely present because you're going to miss the magic, but then you also have these questions that you think will be really good, yeah. And then I tell myself unattached to the question, so you can be here now. And then sometimes I forget the questions, but oh my point about why i think you're so successful because you're not preachy and it's very hard to have a podcast to have a social media following and not be preachy and there's nothing more annoying than when you see somebody on social media and it feels like they're talking down to you like it feels like i know this and like this changed my life so you should do this too there is not i've probably listened to every one of your posts at this point there is not one post That sounds like you know better than me. Not one, and the reason why is because you're talking to yourself. Yeah. So uh, that's really that's the secret.
1: I mean, that's it. And and I'm not saying do this and you'll be perfect. I'm saying maybe try this. It worked for me.
0: Yeah. And or
1: maybe this is not, you know, the best way to live your life. But I'm still okay. I'm over here still kicking at 63, and I have a lot of things that I want to do. It's not a death sentence, your 60s, you know? So I do think that's the secret sauce is I'm not trying to tell anybody how to live their lives. I'm telling you how I lived my life, and maybe it will help you.
0: Oh, my God. This is so good. I don't (laughs) know if you even know this, but a large part of what I do is business coaching, Mm. and so I've studied very formally a lot of like marketing and copywriting and a lot of that messaging is how you speak to your customer, where they're at. And there's some truth to that, right? Like with oh, are. Yeah, you need to meet, coffee, people, you need where to meet people where they are and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to storytelling specifically, if you want to be a storyteller and you want to utilize that in your marketing because you don't have to, right? Like there are plenty of fashion influencers that don't say anything. And to me, I'm like, God, like, what's the point of this? Like, yeah. uh, not to be not to be rude or, or downplay any of that, because I do think everybody has value on social media. But I'm like, the real value to me is when people are telling their stories, especially yeah. women. Like, tell me your story. Tell me how you fucked up. Tell me what you're still, you still don't have together so that I can feel a little bit more relief and more self-acceptance yeah. in me. And yeah. I think that you are very liberating to people who want to start something and feel this extreme need, need to be so far ahead and have so many answers you don't it you really have to be honest nobody knows what they're doing i
1: don't know what the fuck i'm doing i don't know what i'm going to be doing for a career next year i just said to the universe like let's go send me what you think i should be doing i'm listening i'm paying attention but like you know people ask me all the time like how can i do what you're doing and i don't know how to tell you how to do that because i'm just literally being me Mm. You know, I had my uh, haircut the other day. There's this woman, Jane Matthews, and she is wildly famous. And um, she's known for, like, the shag. And while we were talking, she was so lovely to me and said so many complimentary things to me. And I'm like, bitch, I'm obsessed with you. (laughs) Like, do you know how, you know? And um, she started telling me the story of her life. And I said, why don't you tell those stories over your haircuts that you you post do you know how many women you would help to know that you had massive addiction problems and now you're this self-made millionaire hairstylist like people need to know that they need to know there's no such thing as perfect or perfection like people need women need to know that it's okay to fuck up
0: like this is influencing this is what influencing should be like when i think about you i'm like you know, people get such a bad rap about being content creators or influencers. But I'm like, if every influencer was you, truly, like the world would be such a better place because it's women oh, showing nice. up and they're being honest and that's like very really kind,
1: liberating people. I do believe honesty is the best policy. And to, you know, uh, my favorite quote that really changed my life when I read Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. Mm. There's a quote basically that says, Your job in this life is to disappoint as many people as possible to avoid disappointing yourself. Mm. And when I say that to people, they're like, Woof, that is woof. I'm like, why? People pleasing is what not disappointing other people is. Mm. Not disappointing yourself is super healthy. You know, no is a complete sentence. And when you learn these things, I just think it you become a better person. Like If you are not fully you and loving you, you can't be any help to anybody else because you're just giving advice that's layered with all your own shit. You know, I couldn't have done what I'm doing now when I was 30 or 40 even. I mean, I had a lot of opinions and most of them weren't good. If you read my book, you'll see a few of those. (laughs) But, you know, I I guess it's hard for people to share and it's not for me because I don't care what you think. At the end of the day, if you think negatively, I do care what you think. If I'm helping you, I care deeply. I read every comment. I read every message. I am experiencing severe wrist carpal tunnel problems right now from answering every message. I mean, I'll stay up till four o'clock in the morning just responding to people because it's so wonderful to feel that my mistakes have helped someone That my inner terrible thoughts about myself are shared by other people so they don't feel so alone. You know, you shouldn't be ashamed to be who you are, no matter who that is. I don't care what everybody else in this country, white men, have to say about who
0: you are. Just ignore it. Mm. Just keep it moving. Tell me about the birthday party that you threw for yourself in the pandemic. That was so dope. You had said that all of your friends shared, not only the like niceties, like I love you, happy birthday, but they shared the impact that you really had on their life. So tell me, (laughs) did you ask for this? (laughs) Sorry, now I'm going to start crying. Don't apologize to your Um, degree. It was, I
1: did not ask for it. And it was the most incredible thing. Like people have always been really kind to me and said that I was important to them. And that sort of thing. But it was like some weird switch flipped on my 60th birthday. And maybe it was because we had all been living inside and, and trapped in our own brains. But people were just literally saying, you are so special to me. You've made my life so much better at validation. That's the word I was trying to think of. And to just be so validated in who you are by your friends was just the most remarkable thing. Like just the fact that they came out at a very scary time when we didn't know, we, we thought everybody was going to die. You know, it was what, it started in March. This is October. Um, so it was just the most incredible thing. And I just think you need to tell people how you feel about them and make it weird all the time because, you know, Again, you don't want to be on your deathbed and be like, wow, I wish I told my friends how much I love them. You know, like every day should be your funeral and people should tell you.
0: (laughs) Okay, so we're <laughs> we're getting somewhere. So I have this thing where I want to throw like living funerals. I think it's brilliant. This is like my like d- one of my million like little documentary things that I want to do is I want to throw people like surprise living funerals. So I, I yeah, want to go brilliant. into different communities and just say like, you know, who's like one of the most well-loved people in this community? Like it could be the grocery store manager, the this person, the preacher, the this, whatever. And then like do a surprise living funeral for them where they walk in and it's, you know, essentially a celebration of their life. And I just personally, like my dad, he passed in 2020. And he, everybody will ask me like, you know, what was, what's the biggest influence that he had on you? And, or who was the biggest influence uh, on you in a positive way? And it's usually my dad. Because he didn't, he, he never withheld his love mm. to everyone that he mm. met and he named it like, you are funny, like, your beauty, like, whoo. like, it lights up a whole room, like, he like he also called people out and was like, You're, you know, a little you're Sounds a little like douchebag, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and would say it. So like I have tried to curtail the negative yeah. side of it. Or like, you know, you're a snake, aren't you? Like right to the guy while I'm standing there at like eight. But you know, that I, I appreciate I like that too. That. Like yeah. Vinny Bova, he showed up as him and he called it how he saw it. And he was usually right. Yeah. I will say. Part of I think how I get my discernment with people. But anyways. Positive side of it is he just let his love shine, like truly. And and it was weird, definitely, but it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I make things super weird for people because – my goal really in life is like, I want everybody to see how I see them. Mm -hmm. And I want everybody to see how the world sees them because I really do think that people's perception of people is usually a thousand million times better than what we're walking around as. And so I really like to create the spaces for people to give the opportunity for people to share specifically what is seen in them, like the mm-hmm. specific qualities that people, you know, really feel like are making a difference in their life. And so I love that you had that experience. I love that you say make it weird because it's only weird because it's not the norm yeah. to express so openly, like how truly talented, incredible, charismatic, et cetera, someone is. Yeah, it's, you know, we're
1: our own worst enemies and we don't, you know... Listen, I have imposter syndrome on the regular when people say things to me or the comments that I get. I'm like, fuck, am I doing the right thing? Like, this is a lot of people that are taking my advice, which is really not advice, you know, and I just think it's so important to see yourself as other people see you, like you said if they're a positive yes. person in your life. I mean, I did a couple of rounds of ayahuasca and I feel like it really opened me up to instant judgments about people, both good and bad. And I try to stay away from the bad because I will tell you exactly how I feel, but it also made me very, um, it makes me cry at the drop of a hat, but it also makes me very aware of people's presence in my life. And I want to tell them because I know how good I feel when people say it to me. So I want to tell those people too. And maybe it'll make them feel better about themselves because, you know, we're our own worst enemies at all times about all things.
0: Yeah. And I think if you're listening to this right now and receiving compliments is really what we're talking about or receiving even just recognition of like, I see this in you or let's even talk about art. Like I spent my entire life thinking that I was Not a not a not a bad writer, a terrible writer. I also spent my entire life up until a year ago thinking that I had one of the most annoying voices on the planet. I say that too. Jersey, cringy, like intense, a little low, not sexy, not elevated. Like I had nothing positive to say about my voice. And it really wasn't until I was at a retreat in Tulum uh, about a year ago. And um, I made a a really special friend. His name's Kareem. And he's this very posh, gorgeous man, like, but gorgeous from the inside out, truly, like, soul brother. And he, you know, speaks with this very posh British accent. And I feel like I might have told this story before, but it really was so, like, it blew my mind we were at dinner and so it was me and my friend and she's like a valley girl. So she grew up in California, I grew up in Jersey and so we have like opposite accents. Like mine's like a little bit more, you know, I like draw out my words and there's a lot of expression and California valley girl, I can't do it, but it's just, I don't know, can you do a valley girl accent? I don't know. It's like... It's like, uh, oh my God, as if. It's it's like totally
1: like, yeah. Sure,
0: it's like, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, all the Californians are making no. I'm sorry. But okay, I think like I'm pointless. a New Yorker. Yes. Yeah. So, he was sitting at dinner with us and he's like, I had made a comment like, "Oh yeah, the voice" cuz we were doing voice exercises. I was like, that really threw me off. I'm very uncomfortable with my voice. And he looked at me and he was like, "Are you kidding me?" He's like, "Your voice is so sexy." And he's like in in Britain like We, uh, the stereotypical American accents are Valley girls and our East Coast girls, New York, New Jersey. Right. And so we like fall in love with Americans with those two accents. So he's like, I love it. It's so sexy. And then that was one where I was like, hmm, he's saying it's sexy. Like, what if I just... Thought he was being honest.
1: Yeah. Why would what if he I lie? believed him? What if
0: I just decided that I'm gonna believe it? So I'm like, okay. So then a few other people had said to me, I was at another workshop, and this man was like, You should do voice acting. You have a really incredible voice. And then this other person was like, You should make meditations. I would love to listen to you when I go to sleep. I was like, What? And so I it was just this process of saying, in this moment, I'm not going to repel this recognition. I'm just going to take it as the truth because why, out of all the things that people could be saying to you, why would they be lying about how much of an amazing writer you are or how well you take photos or how cool your style is or how nice it is to listen to your voice or what a good speaker you are? Like, Why would they lie about that?
1: But I think the real lesson is to take what someone's saying to you and say, why don't I believe it? Why don't I believe this about myself? Why don't I believe? I mean, for the writing thing, you know, that is just an artist. We always think we're not as good as as we are. You know, Mm -hmm. we need that feedback. That's what artists do. But, you know, even the voice thing, I have always made fun of my voice. I have always said, oh my God, I sound like Marge Simpson or <laughs> throw mama from the train, you know, Owen. Specific. <laughs> and every day I get someone, a lot of people saying to me, oh my God, you have the most amazing voice. You should do this. You should do that. And so I went to my agency and I recorded a bunch of voiceovers and they rejected me. They said, you This is not professional at all. You sound terrible, but you know, I decided to say, well, that's what they think. I know my voice is okay. So it's really a matter of why don't I believe how good I am? Why don't I believe that? And that, I think you know, almost everything that you suffer through in life goes back to your childhood. And you know, one of the bi- biggest and most difficult experiments that I do is just looking at myself in the mirror, like dead in the eyes and apologizing to myself and my child for all the shit I didn't believe in and all the things that I I let her go through on her own and just apologizing to her. I challenge anybody to not burst into tears by staring at themselves Mm -hmm. in the mirror and talking to themselves. But I mean, we shouldn't have to be validated by other people. We Agreed. should be able to validate ourselves. We should be able to believe in ourselves. And again, that's the confidence that comes through. It's really the sexiest thing that you can be in life. And not braggy, not self-important, just
0: confidence in Only, who you yeah.
1: are. Just, yeah. Yeah
0: yeah i agree i mean i wish that it didn't take this sexy british man to tell me that my well, voice sexy british good. men are fabulous it, i mean I, I think of him as my sweet little messenger he's like yeah. you know he was like well he like, gave you know. permission
1: to believe in yourself
0: <laughs> exactly and, and, so I and think sometimes we need that it's a good first step for
1: like i think my friends yeah. telling me how they felt about me made me feel better about me all of the stuff that i do on social media This community is making me feel better about me. You are building me up. So while I might be helping you, you're the ones that are really helping me. This is my therapy. You are my therapy and you are all healing me. Mm,
0: mm. One of the posts that you shared was around turning 60 and around – Realizing like you're closer to the end of your life than you are to the beginning, and that's a terrifying feeling. It sure is. And I was wondering if you would just talk about that. I just have so much to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) again, I could cry. Um, you know, we don't, we are not guaranteed tomorrow, we're just not. So, I just want to be the best version of myself that I can be. I just want to leave here better than I arrived, and I think. Doing what I'm doing is helping me do that. But I just have so many things I want to do. And so that's one of the reasons I quit my job because it was sucking the life out of me. At how old again? 63. With how much in savings? Zero. Yeah. Okay. Negative about 25 or 30K right now. Mm. But I'm going to fix that. And I just, I don't know. I just, you know, again, it's the deathbed reference. Would I be on my deathbed and go, wow, I'm so glad I paid off all that debt by working that (laughs) shitty job? I don't think so. I don't think so either. So I just, um, I just want to live my life and be happy. I think happiness breeds more happiness. I think if you can figure out how to vibrate at happy, you'll stay there and you'll stay in that flow state. It's the hardest thing to do, but it's what I strive
0: to do on a daily basis. Mm. People I hear all the time, like in their 30s, in their 20s, like I can't quit this corporate job or I can't leave this or I can't do this. And like this society, I feel like has become so risk averse. I imagine partially because there's so many more people that are susceptible to judging you than there used to be. Maybe like your parents or your neighbors. Now it's like the whole world really could seemingly cast a judgment even though at the end of the day you have 800,000 followers and you have a handful of negative people in there, right? But what advice would you give to somebody or like what experiences have you had that have helped you see that like taking risk, quitting your job, even if you don't have that necessarily like full plan laid out of what you're going to do to replace income or whatever, like do you want to take risk at any age? Like what do you tell yourself? Just let go. Mm. Just let go,
1: let go of the belief that this is a failure, let go of other people's opinions of you, just let, it's tattooed on my arm, like just let go and breathe and just trust your gut, you know, lean into the suck if something is awful and it'll go away faster. You know, that's why I think uh, being an alcoholic is such a problem because you're not solving your problems. If you are sober, You can lean into the suck of that situation, and then you actually fix your problem. Mm. I just think you have to just let go of everyone else's beliefs of what is and what's
0: right. I want to talk about privilege on social media Mm. because I think right now I'll speak for myself, white woman with a podcast I'm like, I had a lot of things going through my mind. It's like the men, you know, the only people who have it worse than the white women are the white men in the sense, worse in the sense of feeling like their voice maybe doesn't matter as much or they shouldn't be taking up space. And maybe not everybody feels like this, but as somebody who's done like a lot of diversity, equity and inclusion work, I and have, have read and have looked at my own systemic racism in myself, like, whoa, like there was a point where I'm like, I should just get out of here. And then I'm like, wait a minute, my whole purpose here is to help women use their voice, all women and Mm -hmm. and really everyone. I just particularly really, you know, love women. But my question for you is, well, first, I'll share something that, that you said that really helped me when I'm feeling like there is war going on right now. There is, you know, so many just like white people with platforms. And I just like can get really in my head and very like self-conscious about that. You had said you were talking about quitting your job and you said, I recognize the incredible privilege that I have to quit my job. You don't go into what those privileges are, but you, you recognize I have rich friends. I have rich friends that are giving me a place to live for free. That is my privilege. Thank you. Okay. So you recognize that privilege, but you also said, but I can only tell the stories that I'm living for now. Yeah. I mean, I
1: can't, I'm not a black woman. So if you want to hear stories about what it's like to age as a black woman, then you should follow those women. I am well aware of my whiteness because I have a podcast with two black women. And when George Floyd was murdered, Before George Floyd was murdered, we used to talk all the time about stuff and they would always say, oh, white girl this, white girl that. I'm like, why is it always black and white? Well, when George Floyd died, I read White Fragility and realized that I was a fucking racist. Maybe the least of the racists, but if you're white, you're racist because you live in a a world where you've had nothing but privilege handed to you and you don't to the point where you don't even understand that you live that way. Mm -hmm. I follow people of all races, colors, shapes, and sizes. My favorite thing is to find someone who's telling their story and they have one like on it and I will just fucking, you know, shout them up and repost them. Mm -hmm. But again, I can only tell you stories from my life, from my 63 year old Jewish white self. And if you don't like it, don't listen. But I can't Speak. I can't write a script about what it's like to be a black girl and I wouldn't even try. I would hire a black writer to write that part. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the wonderful thing that's come out of the world we live in. You know, I tried to speak up about what's going on in the Middle East and I got a lot of hate and quite frankly, I'm just too much of an empath to take it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't take it. Because I don't think there's any nuance in the situation. I don't think there's any room for and. And I realized that's not my platform. My platform is talking about me. And I even had someone say, I can't believe you're talking about yourself when all this is going on. And I said, oh, my God, imagine me talking about myself on my page. What a concept. Like, that's just it. That's what I'm going to do. Unfollow me. Go away. Move on to someone else. There's no hate from me to you. But you're not going to change my mind about what I want to do. Just like I'm probably not going to change your mind about the fact that you think Jews should die. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how to fix that. So I'm just going to stay in my lane. And it's my lane. And that's what's amazing about social media is there are a lot of lanes. Do I get privilege from being white on TikTok and Instagram? I don't. I don't know. Am I shared more? I have no idea if I am because I'm white, that's terrible. You know, I I am very much aware of, you know, growing up in the 60s and having a podcast with two black women. I am horrified by things that were done to black people in this country, people of color. Horrified that I didn't even realize that, like, oh, there's no makeup brands for black people. I specifically remember during the pandemic and after George Floyd was murdered, seeing commercials with black people in them for the first time and was like, what the fuck, where the fuck have these been? Like it was only white people on TV. So as far as being white, I'm very much aware of that privilege. And as far as being Jewish, someone said to me the other day that they feel like Jews are taking a lot of strays because they are white and I never even thought about it that way we are so you know privilege is a, a weird thing i've never felt someone privileged because i've always felt underprivileged as a woman and i am a woman first but you know i've changed that opinion a bunch i i hope that like black creators aren't shared less or get different deals because they're black cuz that's just fucking horrifying but i'm sure that is i'm sure that's
0: the case i share them all but <laughs> I followed them all and shared them all. What I hear from you is, you can tell the stories that you're living, and there's value in that. And that's just what I want people to know. Like, if you don't have a story that relates to what's going on in the world or whatever, like. Your story is still valuable and it's still worth sharing even when the world is burning down because the world has been burning down and it yeah. will be burning down. But in that burning down, there's also new life and like you can really be a part of that new life and the contribution and the positivity that really can be on social media, which I just think you are such a a pillar of that light. I mean, everybody I talk to, it's like I want to be her friend. I love her, and you just leave this, this positive force. So as we wrap up, I have two quick questions. Okay. One is, what are you the most excited about right now in life?
1: I'm really excited about where I'm moving to and taking a break. I'm moving up the, up north on the coast, on the ocean into a friend's small guest house. And it is quiet and there are deer and bears. And I just want to sit and breathe for a little while and really spend some time building my brand as far as trying to make it into a viable cash situation, make some money from it, uh, pay off my debt. I'm excited about that. And I'm really excited about the unknown. I'm so excited that I have no idea what I'm gonna do next. It's kinda cool.
0: So cool. And then what part of yourself that is, has been perceived as too much? Are you like, just
1: so Everything about me is, (laughs) It has been too much. It's just now for the first time people are into the fact that I'm as open as I am and that I say whatever the fuck I want. And I think that, again, usually when someone has a problem with you, just hold a mirror up to them and they'll be talking to the correct person. You know, you're too loud. Well, I might be too loud for you because you've been told that being loud is a bad thing, but it's not to me. And I just think that people either love me or they're terrified of me. And if they're terrified of me, it's because they're terrified of themselves mm-hmm. and, and what it is that they want to be. And I represent in them everything that they're not being. And I don't know how to fix that for you. You have to find that
0: yourself. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Will you come back? Because I also need to ask you like, how I don't rage cry about the patriarchy every day. But oh, we can talk about that next time. Because they'll
1: all be like, dead soon. <laughs> They're going to all be dead soon. That's honestly. It's true. All the old white men with all the stupid fucking rules will be dead soon. And we can go on with our lives. By 2050, there will be more people of color in this country than white people. And I can't wait because it's going to be a better fucking country.
0: Oh, my God. I love you so much. I really do. Heidi, thank you so much. How can <laughs> people find you? Thank you for having you? me. Give, give the Um handles. It's all
1: at Welcome to Heidi. Um, my book at Welcome to Heidi. My podcast is called Matza and Melanin. We're going to be coming back. And then uh, Instagram and TikTok are at Welcome
0: to Heidi. Follow her. Thank Follow you. Follow her. Like it will light up your day, light up your life. I'm so grateful that you were here. Thank, oh, you, thank so you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me.